Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. I am Dominic Lorenzano, alongside writer for the Yaki Way Report, Jesse Caulfield, Dan Caniff in studio. Today, we got another guest in to go over everything Celtics advance in Miami, take down the heat to go to the finals against Golden State. I will be the number one enemy of Boston with what I'm going to say on this. Sorry, guys. I was never on the hype train, and I'm still not on the hype train. Um, you know, we're going to talk some pats. Nobody knows what's going on with the offensive coordinator thing. Mac Jones saying he's working with Joe Judge. Joe Judge is brilliant for some reason now. I don't know. But you know you know the way they control everything in that building that comes out of it. So we're going to talk some other NFL stuff that's going on. Contract disputes. Kaepernick doing a workout. It's kind of the story that seems to never die. And the Red Sox update once again, guys. I'm going to continue to be obnoxious about this for all you idiots who said that the Sox season was over three weeks ago. Stop it. Baseball's 162 games. Chill out. But before we do that, Jesse Caulfield. Yeah. Take it away on what is kind of a weird sort of different wave rant that you're starting on today. But I mean, yeah. a true rant. In the uh, sense of like I, you I just kind of I'm not yeah, gonna be that angry. Well, no, but like a random like you just saw thing, saw some random thing one day, and you're like, you know what, this is dumb. It is, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. As a sports fan, like you, you people show their pride in different ways, uh, and I came across a a thread on Twitter. Uh, you know, Twitter's so toxic with their dumb ideas. But this guy, I've never heard of this guy. His name is Alvin Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the company he worked for. I'm not even gonna give him the. The company works for because I've never heard of it actually before. But this guy, he came onto Twitter out of nowhere mm-hmm. uh, to talk about how grown men shouldn't wear jerseys. And I was, that's an odd take. I've heard some people like do that. Like my dad doesn't wear jerseys. My he, dad says the same thing. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, but like, I don't know. Some people, like I said, some people show into, but like to just go way out of your way to just make a list of all the reasons why people shouldn't wear jerseys when they get older. And I found, like, some of them are very, very ridiculous. So, I, so for the first one, he goes, first one is, your playing days are over. That's never why I bought a jersey in the first place. <laughs> I, I do it to support my team, the players I like. I'm not sitting out there in right field thinking, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. <laughs> like, no. Uh, I'm just I'm supporting my team. I'm supporting my guy or whoever it may be. <clears throat> now, and he goes on to say about it, like, no fantasy camps or tickets can bring you back. Like that's again, that's not why I'm sitting out there. I'm not sitting out there reminiscing about my playing days in like high school, the majors, like thinking I still got it. Now, like there are those people out there, like oh, they always can't talk talking about their way. But they're not really the Jersey people either. They're more of the sitting at a bar by themselves, uh, talking about it to strangers the type good of people. Old days. Yeah, <laughs> the good those, old days. So then he goes on to uh, the people who who sit at a bar. Uh, in a Monday day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to bother strangers. We're like, oh, you know what I did in high school? I Telling the same couple people to get it again. Uh, uh, and then he goes, oh, why would you worship another adult's playing jersey? It's like, we're not worshiping. Like, I'm just a fan. The like, funniest thing is when they're younger than you and you're still rocking their jersey. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I will admit, when that first came about, when players started to get drafted that were younger than me, that was a strange moment. Absolutely. But, like, yeah, I got... Am I, I going to feel awkward wearing a Jason Tatum jersey? Absolutely not. No. I bought. I got a Charlie McAvoy shirt, and, like, I, I love watching him play. David Postonok's younger than me. I got a couple of shirts of people who are younger than me now. It's I'm supporting the team and the player. I don't worship this person. I'm not sitting there in church praying to them either. So, all right. Anyway, 
He goes on to then say, you're giving your money away to soulless corporations. And listen, I'm all about not giving your money away to soulless corporations. But most of the revenue comes from TV, yeah. advertising, ticket sales. They do make a lot of money off merch. But, like, that's not all jerseys. <clears throat> that's that's like a drop and, in the in the bucket. Yeah, like, yeah. that's... that's if, I, if we all stop buying jerseys... All these leagues are going to be the exact same, pretty much. I love when people say the soulless corporation joke about buying stuff, but it's like, bro, you own an iPhone. I do own an iPhone. Not just, but I've been <laughs> that guy. What are yep. you tweeting on, you idiot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he goes to buy things at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he loves going to Starbucks. <laughs> so I'm sure this guy has plenty of soulless corporations. Yeah, he, uh, he worships himself. Okay. So, anyway, another one. Uh, some, most, he puts in uh, parentheses, of you are going to do it anyway. So, like, yeah, like, why can't we all just buy him if we're all going to do it anyway? Like, I don't get it. Like, am I supposed to, like, protest myself and say, like, look at all these losers? Like, th- that's what you're doing. You don't seem like a very happy guy. So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my jersey and have some fun. And then he goes on to start saying ground rules. Don't use your last name on custom jerseys. Here's the thing with that. I would never do that, but I see plenty of people do that. I'll see families do that. I work at Fenway a lot. I'll see families do that. They all get the last name on their jersey, and they have like the the kids are all numbered like one, two, three. It's kind of cute. Like, all right, maybe grown men. I'll give you that one, I guess, with the custom jerseys. But like, some families like to do it. Some people like to do it. Some people have way too much pride in their last name. Let them have it, I guess. Uh, or they're just living out that fantasy, having their you know, last yeah, name on the jersey. Yeah, there. That's the you know what. That's probably is the person living up their fantasy, sitting in right field, being like, my time's coming. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> All right, anyway, another, ground rule number two, as if these other ones weren't ground rules. For God's sakes, no one wants to see certain parts of the male body, upper arms, chest hair, including, like, if you're going to wear your NBA, go to an NBA, wear a T-shirt underneath. Like, this goes uh, a little politically. Would you say that about a woman? No, I bet you wouldn't. <laughs> This is body shaming people. Why are we allowing this? We should cancel this man. Like, let us let us look hairy in our jerseys. You think, I mean, the players are all fit, I guess. Like, But, like, how many people do you go to a game and there's just fat dudes with their shirt off? Like, they're, are you going to say they're not fans? Like, Fanatics. Yeah, like, look at your average sports fan, especially when they get older. A lot of them are greasy, ugly dudes. And guess what? I'm going to get there one day, too, and I'm going to embrace it. It'll be fine. <laughs> like let the let these people let these people let it all hang out if you know what I mean. All right, ground rule number three: take a cue from women. They know better fashion than men. We're not wearing it for fashion, bro. We're wearing it to support the team. But then he goes on to say more: get a t-shirt jersey, changing color design, maybe even something with no number on the back. That's still giving your money to the soulless corporation, bro. You're contradicting yourself. Like again, what's the difference between a jersey? And then the jersey with the name on the back. I thought we're not supposed to worship these people. Constantly contradicting yourself here, bro. Also, a changing color design. I gotta give. I gotta buy what the soulless corporation gives me. Whatever their color design is, that's what I gotta get. All right. And he goes conclusion. Do you think Tom Brady looks at you and thinks, "Awesome, he's wearing my jersey"? Uh, no, he gives the the touchdown ball to the kids. Sure, he should give the ball to the kids. Like, I'll give you the grown man argument. Give the ball to the kids. You get a home run ball, give it to the kid. You get a football, you should give it to the kid. But, like, 
I'm sure Tom Brady doesn't look up at those, all those stands and say, wow, look at all these losers wearing my jersey. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, I'm sure he doesn't think much of it at all. And yeah, I'm sure if some fans who are older were like, hey, Tom Brady, I'm a huge fan of you, and they're wearing his jersey, he wouldn't be like, this loser. Like, wow. No, he's like, this is a football fan. This guy's a fan of me. I'm going to show him some respect, because that's just who most of these people are, Alvin. It's just not that deep. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's, re- it's really not that deep. All right, and then, like, one more thing. He goes, yes, this includes things like showing up Sunday at the Masters in the Tiger's red shirt, or Tiger's red shirt. You're not Tiger. Yeah, those guys are doing it to be funny. They know they're not Tiger. You mean that white guy up there in the red shirt and the black hat doesn't know he's Tiger Woods? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he knows. I mean, he's doing it for fun. Most of these people do it for fun, to be funny. A lot of people even like to do this stuff for collecting. I'll even collect jerseys. Mm. Like, I just like to have jerseys. It's fun. Like, oh, man, I got the Xander jersey. I got a bad luck with jerseys. Every jersey I seem to buy, everyone gets injured or leaves. But, like, whatever. That's just me. And then he goes on to try to defend himself more and blah, 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 blah. But that, those are the gist of his list. And I just think every single one of them is kind of stupid. He went out of his way for this for no reason. Alvin, like, get some friends. Go to a game. Grab a beer. Get with the Rowdy fans. And you'll understand what it's all about. Maybe the beer will help him calm down. Yeah. <laughs> it probably would. But, like, you need to have a little more fun at your sporting events, bro. You really do. That's what I think. I mean, that was Twitter in a nutshell. It is. It's a bunch of angry people who, by the way, in their rants on their thing, like, ends up contradicting themselves anyway. Yeah, they did, especially (laughs) when you talk about the fashion statement. And it's like, if you watch, like, the Stanley Cup playoffs and you watch, uh, it was Calgary, Mm -hmm. every single fan, regardless of age, from a young kid up to the the old people, Mm. they all had a jersey. Of course. And it was a sea of red, and it looked like so much fun. It was such a rowdy stadium. Like, these... You just don't understand the passion, bro. That's all it is. He just doesn't get it. No, I don't think he does. All right. That was, that, was, that was interesting. And he sees people having fun, and he has to tear it down. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Now, he's, just, he's, he's just an angry individual. Alvin. Alvin. Alvin right. Cohen. <laughs> I, don't have any, I don't have anything to really add to that, <laughs> so we're going to move on. All right. Rapid Fire News. So the Celtics advanced despite dropping the game in Boston. They at least rebound and beat the Heat 100-96 to advance to the NBA Finals, where they will take on Golden State. We will get on that in just a few moments. Um, Also, Deshaun Watson met with the league office about his ongoing sexual abuse cases, 22 of them. Nothing has come out yet on that, but the fact that he's meeting with the league offices on that, I think should tell you that some news about just what the punishment is going to be or not be should be around the corner. Um, We'll see. We will see. If he's meeting this early while the cases are still going on, do you think it means anything as far as, like, do you think it's going to be longer or shorter of a suspension or... You don't think it really means anything yet? Honestly, I think it means shorter because the NFL apparently met with, I don't know if all the victims, but a lot of the victims, and the fact that the NFL then doesn't even at this point want to wait till the end of the case, I think that bodes well for how long its suspension will be. Mm, That probably makes sense. All right. Also, the Red Sox, they were able to take two of three from Chicago. Unfortunately, in the five-game series against Baltimore, they were not able to capitalize the same way that you would hope they would. They did drop three of those. A couple of them in fantastic fashion. The bullpen meltdown on Friday and then a 10-0 loss on Monday. So 
They take two of the five against Baltimore, but obviously they're still playing pretty good baseball at this point. So with that, can you get the camera ready? (laughs) Do you want to do it now? Yeah, I want to do it now. Okay. So with that, guys, we will move on to what is the main topic, I'm sure, of every single show in Boston, because why isn't it? Of course it is. Your Boston Celtics are in the finals. It has been a wonderful ride. You know, it's been really fun. I'm not always the biggest NBA follower, especially the years when LeBron dominated everything. It felt like there was no reason to watch half the time. But I've had fun this playoffs, and the Celtics have gone further than I thought they would. However, Boston, let's have an honest conversation here, all right? It's been a wild ride. It's been fun. Multiple game sevens, won them both on the road, you know? It's been, it's been nice. No, they won the other one. No, I'm sorry, but they, they did have a must-win game in Milwaukee, though, to get there. Sure. Yeah. Two huge late wins, by the way, in both series on the road, all right? It's been fun. Enjoy it. I don't think this finals is going to go well. I really don't. I think that you, everyone talks about the Celtics defense, but you played the Bucks without Chris Middleton and a Miami Heat team that is tough, plays good defense, and they're gritty, but they're kind of offensively challenged sometimes. And it's mostly just Jimmy Butler with no solid number two behind that. They have not faced an offensive force like Golden State between Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and even Wiggins sometimes. Any one of those four can go off on any given night. They can all average over 20 points a game if they need to. Every single one of them, whoever's hot, they can just feed the ball to and he can be their night. That's the way Golden State plays. I don't think the Celtics can stop all four of those. And I don't think that the Celtics offense, as good as it can be sometimes, also has a tendency to disappear. And it's very Tatum reliant. I don't think that they'll be able to offensively keep up with the speed and the amount of points that Golden State can put up. So I'm sorry, Boston. I'm still not on I'm still not on the bandwagon. I think Golden State takes us. I don't even think it's going to be wildly competitive. I'm not saying they're going to get blown out every game, but I don't think it'll be an overly competitive series. I see Golden State taking this in five, potentially maybe six, but I think Golden State in five. I just don't think that the Celtics can keep up with the firepower of the Warriors offense. Even if Tatum goes off, you saw it when they played Luka Doncic. Luka, have your night. Score 40 points. It doesn't matter. Steph will drop 30. Clay will add another 20. And Poole or Wiggins will add another 20 to that. We won't care. Go off. It doesn't matter. You won't be able to keep up. So, guys, Dan, I'll let you go first. So one of the things you mentioned there was speed, right? Yeah. So Golden State moves the ball faster than anyone else in the league. Yes. One thing Boston's defense can do is control that pace. Maybe they're not going to be able to do it offensively, but defensively, they're going to be able to slow down the Warriors. Mm. I'm not saying I don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a Boston fan, of course I want the Celtics to win. Mm-hmm. Do I think the Celtics are going to win the series? Deep down, I'm going to question it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, gosh, <laughs> are they really going to go in there and they're gonna, are they going to beat the Warriors in the NBA Finals when the Warriors have been there six, the last eight years? Mm-hmm. They got the experience on their side. Mm. Uh, but I do think that Golden State can start throwing the ball around. Mm-hmm. Boston's defense is too good to do that. Mm. You know? So it's really going to depend on a few things. Right? Marcus Smart covering Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. But if, Mar- if Marcus Smart isn't co- uh, shadowing him, 
Who's going to be there? White. Mm. Is White going to be able to step up and defend Curry? I don't know. I feel I see White as a better offensive player than defensive player, so, though. So that's the thing, right? So if Golden State's going to score the way we know they can score, mm-hmm. is Derek White going to step up and score? Or are we going to have to rely on Payne Pritchard to come in and be that scoring threat off the bench? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you there. But that's what I just, I don't see offensively that the Celtics will be able to keep up with Golden State. And I know you think that's that they can, That's my worry. And I know you think that they can slow them down, and I'm sure they can a little bit. I just don't think they can slow them down enough, especially when you have that many guys who can score. Think about I, how deep their bench is. You start going into Kaminga. Yeah. You said Wiggins all-star. Yeah. You know, is he streaky? Sure. Yeah. They can all get streaky. I mean, it's a streaky system and a streaky offense. It's just when it's hot. No, I mean, they, there's no stopping it. There's no stopping it. They're just—it's too good. And like, what are you going to do? Play right on them defense all the way from half court? Like, the problem is, it's not only how good they are; they can shoot the ball from so far out that like it's hard to get up in their face like that from that far away. So they start hitting their threes from way outside. It's like pick your poison at this point. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do to there's stop not, that. There's nothing you can do to stop You it. can even see, though, when the Celtics were playing the Heat, their defense, Jimmy Butler was hitting shots right in their face. Exactly. That's what I mean. You know, the guy Strauss would throw some, some lucky up sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, you know, he had a good night or two. But yeah. Now, Jimmy Butler, I at least give it. Jimmy Butler is a bit more of a physical, overwhelming player than just about anybody we mentioned between Clay, Steph, and Poole. I mean, I mean Wiggins is a decent size, but still... Butler's a bit more overwhelming, but it's still, it's just one guy, whereas Golden State has so, so many, many elite offensive scoring players. So, Jesse, your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm going to go a little different than you guys. Okay. Because this team, and I'm going to use some history, has historically played uh, the Golden State Warriors very well. They've given them a run for their money time and time again. Now, a lot of that was with Brad Stevens as the head coach. Uh, but this season, they're 1-1 one one against the Warriors. And that first loss uh, came actually in Boston, 111-107, uh, mm-hmm. back in December. This was a different team then. Since then, they played them uh, a month ago at this point, at the very end of the season. They won that game in Golden State. So I have a lot of uh, problems with this matchup because throughout uh, every playoff series, it seems there's always been at least one guy that they just can't really stop. Mm -hmm. And when you have a team that's kind of full of guys that can kind of put up points, that does very much concern me. Like, all right, even if you can close up Steph, you still got Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I do like the matchup for the Celtics just because they they know they can beat this team. Mm-hmm. It's just like, can you contain all these stars? You're probably not going to. So, yeah, it's just, can you be confident and can you keep the offense going to keep up? And I think that's that'll really help this team in the long run. So, yeah, I'm not as out of them anymore as I used to be. Like, I... I we had them dead in the water with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even had them dead with the Heat a couple times. But I don't know. No, I mean, you had them dead with the Heat. I never, I never did with the Heat. Yes, you did. I did not. Yes, you did. Go back and listen to the show. I said, I said, I, I was crazy. I said Celtics don't lose another game after what was it, game three they lost. Uh, I think you did say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I said they'll take four, five, six. Now they didn't end up doing it. They lost game six. They had to go to Miami to win game seven, but. But uh, still, I, I, so I, one of the things with Golden State scoring, right, is. Mm-hmm. Boston has a size, okay? Mm-hmm. If if the Warriors scoring can control the perimeter, that's one thing. But one thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to drive and mm-hmm. kick. You know, they're not going to be able to drive against the Celtics' bigs. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll keep Looney down low, and that will distract Roberts. That's that. That's one thing. But uh, 
I don't think they're going to be able to. Uh, they're not going to be able to dribble and kick the way they want to. Okay. All right. I I can see that from your perspective there. Uh, the problem also is is just how healthy are some of these guys for the Celtics though too. I mean, Smart has dealt with injuries on multiple occasions. Roberts dealt with injury on multiple occasions. If Roberts not healthy, I mean, I think that's a real disaster it's in this match. It's gonna take a toll on Al. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the key to the Heat. I mean, even the Bucks series as well is is Robert Williams healthy and did he play? Because they were always a much better defensive team when he's out there mm-hmm. by far. So and and the Celtic and and Golden State is the older team, but they dispatched of Dallas pretty easily, and now they've had this long rest that is very key for an older team like that who's played as many games is as Golden State. Is the rest going to help them or hurt them? I think it's going to help. I I understand the like not being hot part, but when when all your guys are that much older and they've played that much basketball, I think you got to take the rest at this point in the playoffs uh, above anything else. And I think Golden State got a nice rest that they probably needed. I mean, I think you should always try to take the rest and win the series as fast as possible. But, like, yeah, it does raise the question. If it, the other series goes long enough and you're sitting long enough, there maybe will be rust in the game. Mm. It's possible. Mm. Now, I think the, with the, how veteran they are, I don't think it'll happen. But mm. it, it's possible. Yeah. The other thing with the other issue, the last issue I have with the Celtics offense, and this happened multiple times in the Heat series, when they go bad, it's not just them missing shots. They can, like, implode offensively, become turnover prone. And, I mean, geez, if you do that against Golden State, you're going to find yourself down 25 points in a heartbeat. So that's something that's going to control the speed of the game is if, if Boston turns the ball over the way they have been, then they're, Golden State's going to get the fast break and they're going to find the open shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we can you know, control the turnovers, not let the ball go as much, that'll help on the defensive end of things. Yeah. Do you think... I'll let you both answer this. I, I suspect you'll probably have the same answer, though. Do you think that... The NBA has played, I feel like the NBA has played at a much faster pace, even by all teams in general, than it used to. Do you think the Celtics in general should try and be very deliberate on offense and slow this game down? Uh, yeah, because I think, uh, using a football analogy, a lot of ways you can win a game is ball control. Mm-hmm. And you don't want Steph, Clay to really have the ball. as, as You want them to have the ball as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Because if they they can hit shots from anywhere which means they can very quickly get away from you Mm -hmm. so you need to control that pace let them have the ball as little as possible so they can't get away from you and then yeah like you have at least a chance in the end if the game is close and always be facing set defenses yeah because they kill teams in transition so i'm guessing you're probably on the same way i'm on the same boat there yeah yeah. the celtics should probably they need to try and slow the pace of this game down and that's going to start with marcus smart controlling the ball from the point Mm mm-hmm you know, and it, 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 they're probably going to end up switching it over to Jason bring the ball up. Mm. Um, I think he did a good job of that in the Heat series because they would end up switching to get the one-on-one on Strauss. So if they're able to do the same thing and Tatum can get that one-on-one on Curry on a regular basis, mm. you know, it could it could definitely, you know, slow the pace of the game down. Mm. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, apart from just the things that we've talked about, just the whole thing of like, I, I just don't like that they had to go seven with Miami. It really makes me wonder about this team. Like at least the Bucs, like, I get it, it's Giannis, and, and you know he's like the best player in the league and all that. But to have to go seven against Miami to me, when it felt like very early on, apart from game one where Miami was far better rested, you could tell early on the Celtics were just the way better team. But they had to go seven with, I, I just don't, I didn't like the optics of that at all. It, it made me, it almost made me 
think more highly of Miami than it made me think highly of the Celtics. It certainly made me think highly of more highly of Jimmy Butler. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I mean, realistically, you. I mean, you after the, you should you were, they should have probably won that in Game Six. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're home, uh, but I think it's it was a young team that got a little ahead of themselves, mm. and it was Jimmy Butler trying to will his team. <laughs> yeah, because they it was for the most part it was the Jimmy Butler show in Game Six. Yes, it was. He had 47 points in Game Six and 35 in Game Seven. Yes. So what are you gonna do? That, that's Jimmy Butler. The rest of the offense wasn't doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. Lowry a little bit. Well, sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's. They didn't play bad games in Game Six. It's just Jimmy Butler refused to lose in Game Six, and I do think, yeah, they got a little ahead of themselves. Mm. Okay, so so you don't quite see it the same way that I do. I think it was a young team being young. Okay, what do you think? Well, I also saw Draymond Green call out the Heat. And, <laughs> you know, I think that also lit a fire under them. So, oh, you mean like when he said we're playing Boston? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think you know when you're the Miami Heat and someone calls you out like that, you got to mm. at least defend yourself. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, I can see that where, where where Miami got a little extra, a little extra fodder there to get up and, and going for Game Six, and and you're right, maybe in Boston the Celtics did get ahead of themselves, thinking we got this now. We're we're at home, you know, the league thinks we're better anyway. Draymond saying we're going to play Golden State, like I could see, I could see that. Mm. Mm. But I'm so guys, final prediction. I'm saying it seems too hyperbolic and crazy for me to say in five, so I kind of want to say six, but, like, I really do feel Golden State in five. Well, do you feel Miami would have had a better chance in the final? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, uh, no, no, absolutely not. Okay. No, I, 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 if, I think... Do you if think it, that would have been less sweep? Yeah, Miami? I think it would have been a sweep if it was Miami. Scott Foster wouldn't allow that. <laughs> it would have been a sweep. All right, anyway, I'm going to say Golden State in five. Dan, what do you think? Uh, so, so far I've said... Boston in six, the last two series, and it was Boston in seven. So uh, I'm going to say Boston in six, and let's take it home in seven. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you're, wow. Okay. Well, you know what? What no one has talked about here is, I mean, the Celtics here are a team of destiny. They oh, have geez. such a good story going. Like, the la- the, you've beat Brooklyn. You beat the Bucks. Now you beat Miami. World champion Bucks. Yes. For sure. Hey, coach. Well, yeah, you, yeah, you're – well – also, he was the coach for Brooklyn last year, so he beat he beat his former team. You beat the you beat Kyrie in that fact. You beat and the last and those three teams you beat are the last three teams that kick you out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you're facing now the modern day dynasty, and you're the Celtics, and you got to show that no, we are still the legendary team in the NBA. So Celtics in seven. No way. Celtics in seven. Oh my gosh. Well, they also have to show that hey, we're here to stay. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. They are they are the new Golden State Warriors. Are they going to put up? Are they going to set a new record for regular season wins next year or anything in the f- future? No. Are they going to probably win three championships in the coming years? No. But like, this is a team that is going to be around for a little while, and are they're going to show it by knocking finals? off the will. The are Warriors. they going to be back in the finals in the next three years? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, unless I mean, think about it. What on the horizon in the East scares you? The Nets are a mess. Miami, I think we know the ceiling on Miami now, right? I don't think they have a lot of room as far as what else they can do. Tyler Hero is what Tyler Hero is. Bam Adebayo at this point is what he is. I mean, Adebayo is like, he's there too, but he kind of feels like he should be a three on most teams. Um, it, it really comes out of the box. 
It really does. It, we'll see what they can do with if this Chris Middle, If Chris Middleton can be healthy. Healthy. And they have to get somebody else with Giannis. But, you know, the thing with the Bucks, and I love Giannis, and I've said, I said after the series, stop crapping on Giannis. He'll win another title, I'm sure. But the thing with the Bucks is, if you take away the title, now including this playoff run and then all the other ones, they were all bounced in the first or second round. So other than the title run, they really haven't actually done a ton in the playoffs either. So, yeah, I think the Celtics will be back here sometime in the next three years. Young teams that scare me in the East. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta Hawks, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte's got a long way to go, though. They'll get there. They might. They, they might a, get they there. They have a young stud in ball. They do. They do have a young stud in ball, but you know, what can they do to get help? Historically, Charlotte, uh, how well run are they? I think a lot of kind of comes down to also, what is Joel Embiid going to do with his future? Because he clearly, I don't think he likes Philly anymore. And I think he wants to go find a guy or a guy or two to play with to make him one of those super teams. Mm. And I don't know, Joel Embiid's a guy that definitely scares me. So, But historically, by the way, when guys leave a team, they almost always go to the West. For maybe, some reason, maybe maybe he wants to go live in LA or something. But that's the thing that NBA players do. So if Embiid's leaving, it makes me think that he's going to the West. Because where Could where this? in the East where in the East would he go? That's a good one. But where in the East would he go? Uh, maybe he wants to go to Miami. Live in Florida. I think Bam Adebayo is done after ripping up his Wait, jersey. Yeah, but he already played with Butler, didn't he? Embiid in Philly under different ownership and coaching. Yeah. I, but I thought there was some issues there where like they didn't really like Butler. Was there? I think it was more about Tobias Harris. Was it? I okay. Believe. Okay. It might have been. It might have been more about Tobias Harris, and then obviously it seems like Ben Simmons can't get along with anybody. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. The only that's a, that's a good one. But let's say Embiid stays. I don't. Again, I think Philly's hit their ceiling too. Oh, if he stays in Philly, I I'm not that worried about him. I mean, because if you sign Harden, to me, you've taken yourself out of the championship discussion because you're going to have to pay him max money or at least close to max money. And you've, uh, to me, you're out of the the Super Bowl, uh, the the championship (laughs) window. Um, So that means that you have to get, you have to let Harden go and you have to go get somebody else. But who else is there to get? I think Philly's hit their ceiling. I think you're right. I think the only things on the horizon I can really see as a problem is like Atlanta or Charlotte, if they can get it together in the next couple of years. And, and live up to the potential that they have. And a healthy Bucks. And a healthy Bucks. But even, like I said, even with the Bucks, even with the Bucks, even with Chris Middleton now, if, if the Celtics have the experience now and all that, are the Bucks deep enough anymore? Because like I said, other than the one title run, they haven't actually gone that far in the playoffs before. And it's got to be more than Giannis. So, we'll see. But yes, to answer your thing, I think the Celtics could find themselves back in the title again within the next couple of years. Yeah, this is this is a great way to establish themselves mm-hmm. to, beat, to beat the former best team in the league. Well, I mean, they're not going to do it. But <laughs> I mean, you said they I'll definitely the going to beat the Bucks. You think this is the start of a new dynasty? I wouldn't go that far um, because I don't. It depends on the moves maybe Brad Steven makes in the next couple of years. But like I. I really like Tatum. I really like Jalen Brown, but I don't. They're not the superstars that like Curry and Thompson are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not. They're not a LeBron James. Yeah. They're not a Giannis. Um, so I. I think they'll. Yeah, they'll be back here, but I wouldn't quite call it maybe a dynasty. Yeah. The last thing, actually, I, I do want to talk about this real quick because we were talking about the East. Do you think there's any chance that the Nets can get it together? No. You don't. No. Absolutely not. Okay. 
I, you know, this part of me that if Ben Simmons would just play, he would be a perfect fit for them because he does play defense at an elite level, while the other two Do don't. I think the, a healthy Brooklyn Nets could go and set the regular season win record? Possibly. But I don't think they'll get it together in the playoffs. That's, that's true. Now, if I was the Nets, I would probably get out of the Kyrie Irving business if I can. But yeah, I mean, to me, it still seems like there's pieces that should work there. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to get it together because I don't think in the end they will. But well, I don't think Kyrie could work with anybody. No, I don't think Kyrie can work with anybody either. At this point, and, I, we know what Kyrie and, is. And Durant can only work with people for so long. So yes, they with those two, I don't, I don't really. They're gonna, they peaked. Yeah, they and prob- it's only downhill from here. They probably did. All right, with that guy. So. Jesse says Celtics in seven. Dan says Celtics in six because he said that all the other times and they take it in seven. Actually, even here, the thing with the brother Brooklyn, even if Ben Simmons plays, those are three really toxic players. No, they are. There's no way that'll ever work. I would not want to sit in a room with the three of them. Oh, God, no. no. Hell no. Hell no. Um, But but anyway, Jesse says Celtics in seven. Dan, Celtics in six. And sorry, guys, I'm going to be the number one enemy here. Uh, Golden State in five. All right. With that, guys, we're going to take a quick break before we get into the Pats OC talk. It's uh, it, it doesn't look good for the Patriots. I'm sorry. It really doesn't. All right. Stick with us, guys. Quick break. Slow your roll here, guys. Ready to move on to some Patriots talk. I'm going to continue to stay negative. I don't really mean to be <laughs> like this. I was positive about the Sox, guys. I'm not a Boston hater. Um, but the Pats. Felger over here. Uh, seriously, I know. I, I, I know. I tried to get off the Felger. I tried to stay away from the Felger stuff for a while. But, I mean, Bill just kept doing stuff that I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't think it's going to work. So, anyway. Moving on to things that don't work and why I don't think it's going to work. The Patriots still don't have an offensive coordinator. And there's a lot of speculation. Is Bill going to do it himself? Or is it going to be Joe Judge? Or is it going to be somebody else? Mac Jones did come out and say he's been working with Joe Judge and how great it's been and all that. And we know how tight a ship Bill runs and how much they go through everything that they say to the media. To me, if Mac Jones is saying that to the media... What it's telling me is, I think Joe Judge is going to be the offensive coordinator. They just haven't said it yet. So, But a lot of people still think Bill Belichick's going to do it himself. To me, if Mac is saying that, I think Judge is the OC. But I'll let you guys, your take on that. Okay, so I don't like the idea of Joe Judge as the OC. Well, th- that's that's the second part of this discussion. But <laughs> but like, I also feel like if it is going to be, say it and commit for the meantime. And then if it doesn't work... Pull the plug, but like for now, for training camp, for the first couple games, just commit to a guy. Well, they probably Even if ha- it is Joe Judge. But they probably have. It's just the way New England is. They're not going to say it. Oh, but I feel like Bill will just, because he's got to know all this noise is going on, he's gonna, Joe Judge is the guy. 
Mm. And I feel like Bill would come out and just say, yeah, Joe Judge is the guy. You can stop uh, talking about it. I feel like I don't think he pulled the trigger that quickly just because we're talking about it. You know how no, I, I, like I, think, said, I don't think Bill did. That's why he hasn't said no, it. No, yeah, he hasn't said anything yet. Um, I could also see it being Matt Patricia. Uh, oh, I, I hope Christ. it's not. I hope it's not. I hope it's not. But I could see that happening. Um, he's an offensive line guy. He's already working with the offensive line as their coach right now. Uh, Joe Judge and Mac are teaching each other, as he says. Um, I don't think that's a good look. <laughs> no. You shouldn't be teaching your, each other. Not, not for your second year quarter. If this was Tom Brady, I'd be like, Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, we can mold this guy. Yeah. 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 I can coach this guy. <laughs> yeah. But not your second year quarterback no. out of college. And I also like. I don't think Mac Jones is the guy to. Even if it was going terrible, and even if Bill was like, you can say that. Like, I don't think Mac Jones. He's just such a nice guy. Like uh. golly, Willikers, <laughs> guys. Like, let's all have a good day on the practice field. Yeah. Like he's just that guy. Like he's just such a likable dude that I don't think he would ever complain. Mm. Maybe like when he's an established veteran. And like Brady was, and then he'll start complaining. But like that's just not who Mac Jones is. So I, what I take, I don't take what Mac Jones says for much of anything because that's okay. just more. That's just exactly who Mac Jones is. Okay. So you 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 see nothing in it. You you don't think it. Not not. For you Mac don't think Jones it's a pre-shadowing of of who's probably going to get announced as OC. I think they would very much like it to be Joe Judge, mm. and I think yeah, I think he'll. It probably is looking that way. Uh, I definitely don't want. Mac so you're Jones. not you're not on the Belichick's going to do it himself camp. No, no, no. Okay, a lot no, of people are. Because I think he also, and I don't trust Mayo and his son to exclusively run the defense, and I think he knows that, and he can't do both. He can't He can't well, do no. half of both. So I think he'll probably still stay with the defense. He's hoping like maybe it'll be a Matt Patricia, Joe Judge show. Hmm. Um, I honestly, if Matt Patricia is just the offensive line coach, I'm actually okay with that. Not because I like him as the offensive line coach, but just like, don't give him too much. Let him focus on one little group on the field, and uh, that'll be okay. Yeah. No, I, I see your thing. So do you think it's going to be Joe Judge? or do you I think- do agree that it'll oh. be Joe Judge. Okay. Yeah. yeah, just because he's already been working with Mac. They already kind of have a relationship established. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel Bill is a little more entrusting in him than Patricia at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because, Bill, like you said, Bill's a defensive guy. He wants to be able to come over and, and – talk to the defense while the offense is on the field and not yeah. worry about what play is going to be called. Yeah, exactly. That's- yeah. All right, so we all agree it's going to be, we think it will probably be Joe Judge. Here's the second part of this conversation, though. Do you like it? No. I do not, no. because it's starting to feel, you know what's starting to feel? It's starting to feel very Dallas Cowboysy, where, like, we just have to keep everything in the family and everything under one roof, <laughs> and we don't want outside voices or anything like that. I think... With McDaniel's leaving, that was the perfect opportunity to take a new leap forward into the new NFL, go outside of the organization, get one of these young offensive coordinators either out of college or whatever, you know, out of you know, from a college program or something, and you know, remake the offense and just update things. And yet they've stayed insular, they've stayed very in-house. It's like a family-run business. We never go outside the organization. And I don't think that's a recipe for success. So I, I, I don't like what's going on now in New England. Mm. I will. I mean, I definitely, I don't like that whole in-house, oh, I'm just going to hire my friends situation. I mean, I don't really like it for anything. It is mm. nice for like, oh, nepotism and whatnot and all that stuff. Mm. But this is a football team. Let's. We should hire the best people for the job. Like if you can't, if he shows he can't do it, like don't like 
I didn't want Joe Judge to come back at all. Mm-hmm. Like if he then did special teams, I was like, all right, that's what he that's what he was specialty was. Sure, I, maybe I'll like him going back to that. But I, Joe Judge just kind of showed himself to be just a fraud and not a leader of any in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So I really don't like it. But like I said, if you're gonna have it that way, just commit to it in the meantime for some stability. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, if he's kind of a fraud, do you think that he's then a puppet for Belichick? Yeah, no, his, that, I think Bill, okay, is everyone higher? No, Bill hires a puppet. That's kind of what Bill has become in his in his older years. That's what here. he wants. That's why he doesn't want to go outside the organization. Yeah, and make it higher. yeah. That, that doesn't that seem very Jerry Jonesy Dallas Cowboys. And I'll give like that is a criticism. I feel that is valid of Bill. He's really picking up like his former coaches who mm-hmm. didn't work out. So like they'll just be loyal to him, and mm-hmm. he'll they won't question anything he says because he mm-hmm. just wants. He wants to be the dictator. That's why Matt Patricia's on the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you can't even, you can't even. We're not even going to have you talk about defense anymore. Yeah, go go learn something new. So I'll just constantly have to just go to Bill. Bill, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Mm. I'll just do this, this, and this. All right. So it's really Bill coaching the offensive line. It might be. Honestly, it might be. Although you know, he was never in that space because they had Dante Scarnecki in for years, and he let Scarnecki and just do his thing. So, I, he might just let Patricia do that. But like, the real thing is, is his hands going to be all over the offense, even if it is Joe Judge. But like, he also let, I mean, Josh McDaniels kind of totally run the offense. He did. So like, he had those guys that he trusted. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm sure they never questioned the power or the hierarchy. Probably not. Probably not, but I, I don't like how insular everything is getting in New England now, and I think it's a real, real problem. Um, you know, we've talked about this uh, on other shows, Dan. So I, I want your opinion. What do you think of in general New England this year? What do you think for win total and like where they finish? I had him at I had him at eight. You have him at what? Nine, maybe ten. We yeah, we so we combed through the schedule. I said I I, mean, I think I originally actually said seven, but seven or max eight. The Vegas line is eight and a half. What do you I'll think? I'll go over. You're gonna go I'll, over. I'll take the preseason bet on over on eight and a half. Yeah, okay, they'll, so, they'll get nine wins. You think so? Yeah. Okay. But do I think they're gonna make the playoffs? It's a tough division they're in, but I think nine wins it puts them right at the cusp, and and they might get that wild card spot. Okay. All right, so you're, you're you're a bit more optimistic then. Do you think they finish ahead of Miami? Patriots. Do you think they finish ahead of Miami? I think we play terrible against Miami. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we could beat the Bills twice, and I think we'll still lose to Miami. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I still think that Miami is, is Tua going to start for Miami. Is he their guy? Is Tua the guy? Uh, Tua is going to be the guy. Is he going to stay healthy? Maybe. Would Maybe you be not. happy with so a Miami split? Yeah, oh uh, yeah, one one, yeah, one one against Miami. I'll take that every year. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like we have to. Yeah, I think so <laughs> At too. Best. Yeah. All right, so, so you you do have some optimism here. Do you? Are you still in the trust in Belichick camp too? As far as New Englanders and, and Bostonian fans, I was more in Tom we trust, but uh, okay. I think I think Bill. They say he's a genius, right? Yeah. I'll I'll go with them. I'll trust them for another year. If if you know what, if they completely tank this year. We'll see what happens. I mm-hmm. think, is it possible? Let's see how let's see how wide receiver crew do, does. You know, yeah. let's see what the offense can do this year. Is Mac our guy? You know, um, it's totally possible they come out and get ten wins and, and you know win the division. It, they can do it, but we have a tough one. Yeah. Um, the last thing, what, what was your you didn't, the draft didn't make you raise an eyebrow? No, no. Wow. It's a check. <laughs> you never know what to expect. You can't. You, you don't know what's coming in the draft. 
I mean, yeah, you never know what's coming, but that doesn't mean that I can't say that I think it was a terrible, terrible pick and a bad management of a draft. Yeah, for a guy that you probably could have drafted in the second round. Absolutely. I wouldn't call it a bad management of a draft. Bill got the guys he wanted. You just don't like the guys that he wanted. I don't like where they picked him. You could have waited for the second round. I guess. And got him. I, he, that was his guy. That was his guy. That's who he wanted. Cole, right? Cole Strange was his guy. Oh, my gosh. All right. And then I don't remember that wide receiver they took, but like that... They took, I, listen, they took I him early, but like that was apparently his guy. I don't have a, a huge issue with everything else. I, I just hated the management of the draft in the beginning with the first round pick. Mm. So it has made me think that I think Bill is getting a little bit too stubborn and the league is moving away from what Bill does best and he is not adapting the same way that his friend Nick Saban at least was able to adapt to the mm. changing landscape of football. So, Actually, Dan, I want to ask you, would you rather Bill O'Brien come back? No. No? No. Then the situation they have now? I would keep the situation. Yeah. Okay. Wow, so you take Joe Judge over Bill O'Brien? Yes, I would. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't like Bill O'Brien either, but I kind of, if this is what it is, maybe I would Just take Bill O'Brien. Just for experience factor? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Like, as he's, he's been in the Patriots system. Uh, he has... You know, he's worked with some young QBs. It hasn't... I mean, he was a college I also coach. Think, I think it's just sure. time to move forward. Mm. Sure. No, I'll agree. But, like, Bill keeps hiring those old people like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Um, but, actually, I think one reason he didn't like Bill O'Brien is because Bill Bill is someone that would question the hierarchy. Oh, yeah. And Joe Judge is definitely like, please, somebody hire me. I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually a good point. I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, Bill at this point now has been a head coach of an NFL team. He was the head coach at Penn State. I mean, he has plenty of backing behind him. He could get another NFL job, I bet, if he wanted it. Um, so yeah, you're up. You're probably right. Bill O'Brien would probably push back on yeah. Belichick. I mean, we saw like that. Remember that argument with Brady? Like he's he'll he's a fiery guy. He'll get yeah. He'll, he'll speak up. Mm-hmm. And like I respect that about him. It's just I think everything he says is dumb. <laughs> I, I I don't hate O'Brien the same way that you do, but I was not. I mean, I don't hate hate him. I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan of him as an OC at Alabama, but it is what it is. Anyway, all right, I think we're good. So moving on, Jesse. This is your time. This is your yeah. segment. The Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, we had a game seven last night. Yeah, give us an update on the NHL. So, I, I've i been pretty good with the guess. I mean, I'm cruising at a 75% rate with everything I've hit. I was six out of eight in the first round, three out of four in the second round. Um, I did change my opinion on Calgary and Edmonton. I was right. Edmonton was actually going to come in because Calgary showed that they are just underachievers. And I'm looking good to have the Lightning lose to Colorado in the finals because... Lightning are going to steamroll the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Like, congratulations, you made it this far. You got you got to beat the Hurricanes at home. Uh, but, like, you're not you're not stopping that juggernaut that is the Lightning. And I don't think Connor McDavid can s- continue to will his team to the finals. So it's really looking like a Colorado-Tampa uh, Bay final, which I think will be a great series. Jesse, maybe you should become a betting man more. Uh, I, here's the thing that that year where I picked the Stanley Cup playoffs and literally got everything wrong except one series, like I was, I was like, well, this is too random for hockey's way too random. I'm doing good this year, but like, uh, it's it's been a wild ride to get here. I will say that. Yeah, it's been it's been on. Well, how many series have gone to Game Sevens? Five in round one. There was only one game seven in round two, but still, uh, there was some there was some bad matchups like the the Blues and the. Colorado and I mean 
Florida got steamrolled. Yeah. So you think that Tampa Bay is going to come out and just steamroll? Uh, oh New yeah. York, the Rangers. New York is. Like, Rangers night was last night. That was their moment. Yep. And actually, you know what? The Rangers night is coming in the future. They're very young. Okay. This is a Lightning team that is experienced. They just won two, right? Yeah. yeah, back to back. And like they, they seem like a team that like they did. They pulled the NBA. We're gonna be there. We're just gonna cruise, not care that much in the regular season. Doesn't matter what our seat is. Cause Who said that? This he, guy he did say that. This yeah. guy said it. <laughs> and like they just know, like when they get to the the playoffs, that's that's, that's when they're the really gonna so play. Does Colorado stand a chance? Oh, I, I have Colorado winning. Okay. I I think Tampa could win three straight. They're looking very good to do it. I just I don't ever want a better team to win three straight. So I pick Colorado. I think Colorado because Colorado was a team that I thought was losers. But I didn't. Every matchup they were gonna get, it seemed, I felt like, well, you can't lose to that team. You're not gonna lose to that. You're not gonna lose to Nashville. You weren't gonna lose to St. Louis. I mean, I thought they were actually gonna play Minnesota in round two, and they were definitely gonna beat Minnesota because Minnesota is a team that loses. Edmonton's kind of rolling right now. Yeah, but it's it's McDavid and Drysaitel, and they can't. And like their goalie, uh, I can't remember his name, Mike Smith. Okay. He's just way too much of a question mark. He gave up some terror. He's literally the reason Calgary didn't get swept. Because Calgary looked like crap. It should have been way worse for Calgary, but Mike Smith kept them in game after game after game. He is just way too much of a question mark in goaltending. And, like, they are an offensive juggernaut Colorado. So I think I think they'll march to the finals pretty easily, and I think Tampa will march to the finals pretty easily, which will make a great finals matchup. It's just I think this round is going to be a little lackluster coming. I don't think we're going to get any game sevens here. <laughs> no. No. So what what do the Avalanche bring to the table though that you think they can beat Tampa? Besides that you said you don't want to bet on Tampa winning three straight, but what what does Colorado bring to the table? They are a team that is like Tampa's pretty fast, but they've aged a little bit in their little dynasty they got going here. So they have lost a step and Colorado is just so fast. I don't really like their defense, so I think they will be high scoring games. Um but Colorado is just such a dynamic offensive team that yeah, I think they they can outshoot and outperform the offense that is Tampa Bay. Sounds a lot like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. Yeah. A, 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 little, a little bit, yeah, yeah, because they I mean they have offense everywhere. Kale McCarr is the best offensive defenseman we've seen since I don't want to say Bobby Orr, but like it's kind of like that how he can just go anywhere on the he's ice a young at any kid, time. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's I think he's twenty two, wow. um, and he's taken over the league. Uh, like I said, their their problem is defense, but they do have a great goaltender back there. I think Vasilevsky is the better goaltender for Tampa, but he's not. It's not so much of a discrepancy that the defense will be such a detriment. So that's why I think Colorado will. I think they can. I think they can do it because they've they've had some tough losses the past couple of years, and I think they've clearly learned a lot from that. Uh, McKinnon's aged, uh, matured a lot. Landeskog has matured a lot. So I, I think they can. If anyone can do it, it's going to be Colorado. That can stop that juggernaut that is Tampa, and please do because I'm sick of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's your little Stanley Cup playoff right. update. Sounds good. And my predictions for the next round. All right, moving on then. You're going to be a lot of part of this segment too, but I mean, I'll still start. So with the Red Sox update, you know, we mentioned that they didn't do quite as well against Baltimore as you would hope, but they've been very well over this stretch. Um, they're at 23 and 26, 10 and a half games out of first place. Um, four games out of the wild card. Continuing to be an issue, though, is the Red Sox bullpen, much maligned. And, you know, they set a stat on air uh, in the first meltdown in the Baltimore game um, on Thursday. It was Thursday that that happened. 
Whereas the Sox are either first or second in bullpen meltdowns in all of baseball. And it's not getting any better. Uh, this bullpen has converted eight of 20 save opportunities. Oh. That is awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since since May, this is what uh, this is as of May twenty eighth. Stats eight of twenty save opportunities have been locked down by this Red Sox bullpen. It is probably the worst bullpen in baseball, and probably the last reason why maybe they don't get quite where you think they should be. Um, I still think it's okay. They have Cincinnati and Oakland still on the horizon to get back the wins that you probably should have got against Baltimore but lost. They did take two of three Chicago and two of three from Houston. Who could have, you know, no one would have bet on that over this three-week stretch that you would beat Chicago and Houston for both series. So they have plenty of games to, to play with still. But since you and Oakland, time to capitalize. Get yourself to about 500 by that June 5th mark and you're back in the race. But there are no fixes for this bullpen right now. And Matt Barnes was terrible again last night. His ERA is 7.94. I mean, he's about to pitch himself out of a job. Uh, I mean, who are you going to then replace him with? That's the problem. I mean, at least, at least Matt Barnes has shown that he can be half decent. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know what happened to him last year, and he hasn't figured it out since. Mm. Um, but, like, even I still have a lot of questions about this offense. Because they are really s- they are so boomer bust. Oh god! And like they'll get like they did it twice against um, Chicago, mm-hmm. where they had two blowout wins. But like that's the thing. Like then they'll usually then come back the next day and get shut out one two runs in and a that's, game. That's baseball. I feel like though. Well, mm, you can lose game, uh, go back and forth, and still be have a consistent offense. Like, that's the thing. Like Trevor Story went off, but he's so streaky. Yeah. Trevor Story is a streaky, streaky player. I get that. And you can't, you can't ride Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez every game. It's not going to happen. Like mm. Verdugo has gone very uh, cold. He, you know, he picked it up recently. He looked good in that Chicago series. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, Kike's picked it up though. Actually, yes, he did. Look, he did look really good this weekend. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. is. I mean, he's actually he's getting he's got fourteen doubles. So like, he's. He's got the extra base power, but I mean, he's still a two two twenty yeah, hitters like and a strikeout. He's, he's not going to do much for you. Like the catchers are not going to put up any real offense for you. Even though Vasquez has been getting on base a lot recently, but mm-hmm. like, uh, it it just it, the order falls off so much. And the some of the players you do have that you're looking for production, like Story, are very streaky. Mm-hmm. Verdugo as well. <clears throat> All right, uh, we'll circle back to that in a second. But but Josh. Uh, uh, Wink, uh, Winkowski, the guy that they got in the um, Andrew Benintendi trade. They got Frenchy Cordero and Winkowski. He came up. He made that start uh, over the weekend against Baltimore. Not a great start. But, I mean, it's the MLB debut, whatever. He's a guy that I look to, though, who might be able to help out the bullpen situation. Hopefully. I mean, he's, I can't get much worse. I know. But he's the one guy that I, I think that could be, you know, one of the of many needed Patches to what is a leaky, leaky bullpen. Um, I think if Winkowski can be solid down the stretch here, if they do put him in the bullpen role, that's a huge help. And it's the only help I really see on the horizon right now for the Boston bullpen. There's talks of Sale going to the bullpen when he comes back. Can you afford that, though? I I mean... He might need to start the bullpen when he comes back. And he, I mean, he might need to anyway. I, I think they'll definitely do that and see just how he does. Uh, but do you think you can go the rest of the season and make the playoffs no. if Chris Sale's just in the bullpen? Who are you going to take out of the rotation? Whitlock. 
Probably. Well, no, because they got uh, Ivaldi, Pavetta, Rich Waka, Hill. Rich Hill, and Hauk. So you're going to take out Rich Hill? What are you talking about? Hauk's been in the pen now, though. And Hauk, Whitlock's yeah. been starting. See, I, I wish they would do Hauk as the starter. No, I, I do, too. I We've said that from the start. I'd rather have Whitlock in the pen, especially for a bullpen that's as bad as the Red Sox is. But Sale comes back, and you put Whitlock back on the bullpen. I mean, I'd like that, but I also don't trust Sale. As a starter? Yeah. Okay. If you don't trust him as a starter, how can you trust him as a closer? I mean, I wouldn't say closer. Maybe do like a long relief thing. It's like, oh, the starter got beat up. Let's let's have him eat like three innings if we can. You, listen, Chris Sale has got to be in a bigger role than that for this team if they're going to go anywhere. Oh, how can you trust him with that anymore, though? I mean, he was, listen, when he's pitched still, he's been fine. His numbers were fine last year. He was so inconsistent, though. He was. But there, was, there were times where I saw the old sale come out, but it never lasted. No, but listen, to me, with this offense and the way the team is built, you just need at least passable, decent pitching from bullpen and starters. I mean, I've liked the starters. I mean, the starters haven't been the problem, for sure. But I still just don't see... I mean. Listen, I guess if you bring Sale back and he basically fills the Whitlock role, I, you're going to have him be more than a long reliever, though. He's, he's got to pitch in valuable innings. Because who else are you going to turn to in this bullpen right now? It can't mm. be Barnes. The thing is... It, it, it definitely can't be Barnes. And, and Schiebler was Corey's guy for a little while, and then he imploded over the weekend. So They really want to give Diekman big innings. Uh, that's terrifying. <laughs> Deekman comes out there and just doesn't even know how to throw strikes sometimes. By the way, last season in his nine games, Chris Sale was 5-1 and one with a 3.16 ERA, 52 punch outs, and 42 and two-thirds innings. Okay. Those are good numbers. Yeah. So, to me, I think, he's, I think you put him back in the starting rotation. Do you think they'll start him in the bullpen, though? They might start him in the bullpen, um, especially if the situation is as bad as it still is. So here's the thing. We suspected that last year, right? And yet he made, what, three, four rehab starts, got them all the way up to where he was throwing five or six innings. So at that point, we knew when he comes back to the major league level, he's going right back on the rotation. The reason it could be different this time is, like I said, if the bullpen is still doing this bad, but the Sox are still in the race by the time it's sailed to come back, I can some see them saying, we can't wait. Let's have his sort of rehab assignment just be in the major league level, out of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I think, I think that's how it's going to go um, for sale if things are still the way they are. I just think eventually, though, um, by the end of the year, he will be back in the starting rotation. because he, He's got to be there. You're mm-hmm. paying him that money. His numbers are still good last year. He's got to be in the rotation. And you can put Whitlock back in the pen. I don't think you can put Whitlock back in the pen after looking at a stat sheet. Why? Uh... He doesn't have the highest ERA, actually on the lower side. Uh, he's on the higher side of strikeouts. Uh, he doesn't walk. He doesn't give walks. Yeah, but the bullpen. I mean, but the starting rotation has been fine. Pavetta has been okay after the after the horrendous start. Walk has been solid. Rich Hill's been solid. I know we got smacked last night, but he's been he's been solid. Eovaldi's been been exactly what Nasty Nate you know usually is. So. You just need Whitlock's production in the bullpen more than you need it in the rotation. So you're going to keep Hauk in the bullpen also? You're going to keep Hauk in the bullpen. That's the, so here's the other thing now. He continues to use Tanner 
then it seems like he only wants multiple innings. Is it time to turn over the late eight and nine innings to Tanner Houck? Uh, maybe, yeah. I guess. I mean, who the else? setup is, guy. Who else? Unless, unless you want to stick with with uh, with. I, I I say his name wrong every time. Schiebler, Scheibler. Schraber, Schraber. Schraber, thank you. Unless you want to stick with Schraber. Uh, after his implosion over the weekend. No, I think they should see what he's got first. So you want to ride with with him a little bit longer? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, don't give him, like, I'm fine putting him in the bullpen, but I don't want him having those, like, uh, real high-intensity innings yet. What, Schiebler? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I'm saying is it's time to turn over eight, nine innings to Hauk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so you agree there. Yeah. I think that's what they have to do at this point to try and stabilize things. Honestly, I think you should, if you can move Whitlock back to the bullpen, make him your almost like a two-inning closer. Whitlock? Yeah. Yeah. And then give Hauk like six and seven if you need to. Mm. I mean, maybe, yes, yeah, seven or eight. But like, because Whitlock usually can go two innings with ease. Now, usually when he goes two innings, they got to give him a day in between. Mm-hmm. So then you might need a secondary closer type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, your last four innings, I kind of only trust yet Hauk and Whitlock. Yeah. So who goes into the rotation then? If you do this now. We're not talking about sale. If you do this now, who goes into the rotation? Put Hauk back in the rotation. No, oh, no, no, excuse no, no, me. No, no, no. Um, well, I guess it's got, at that point it's got to be Schreiber, sh- sh- whatever. No, 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 no. Do you do you give the kid who made his MLB debut another start and see if he can if he can be the fifth starter? Uh, I guess you have to in the meantime till sales here. Yeah, which is like apparently right around the corner. I guess mm-hmm. they said June. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess. Okay, so if you are managing the Sox. What do you do now going into this next series since he in Oakland? How are we setting up things? You want to give uh, the kid another start and then turn well, over and then put Whitlock back in the pen? I yeah, I prefer that. Okay. I mean, we always talked about like you keep Whitlock in the pen because mm-hmm. yeah, the rotation hasn't been the problem. Mm-hmm. Do I think this stuff with like Rich Hill is going to last? And I do I think Walk is going to be good all year? No, definitely not. But like. It's been fine. Keep, if it's, until it until it goes wrong, keep it out. And, until keep the rotation uh, yeah, out is. Uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, the yeah. rotation. In that sense. So yeah. keep riding with what Waka and Hill are doing. Let's put Whitlock back in the pen because the bullpen continues to be broken like it has been all year. And I like the idea, let's turn over late innings now to just Tanner Houck and Whitlock, you know, in, in close games. Yeah. So starters, you know, they always go five or six. How goes one or two, Whitlock goes one or two, and that's how we finish things off. Yeah. I think that's the only solution at this point right now because, I mean, two different meltdowns over the weekend. Oh, that, <laughs> that first one was terrible. Uh, well, I mean, they blew, what was it, a six, seven run lead? Eight, Weren't they up six? six. No- yeah, they were up six nothing. Well, it was eight two. It was eight two. And yeah. I thought so, it was six nothing at one point. It might have been. Yeah. And then it was eight two, and they blew that too, so. Against, against the Orioles. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but like so, also, Gar- I mean, Garrett Willock's getting, not beat up, but it's not, it's, it's, his starts have been. The eh. last two. Yeah. The last two have they been. They haven't eh. been that great. So. The last two have not been. It started sensational, but now it's, it, now it's you know, it's come back down to earth. So. Well, he's throwing so many innings, they can 
mm-hmm. pick up on him now. Like that's why he was so good. He pitched two innings. He would never get a turnover of the lineup. Mm-hmm. So, so this brings me a question. Now it being so early in the MLB MLB season, mm-hmm. uh, where we can tell the Red Sox are hurting for pitchers, mm-hmm. do they make a move? They I, have to. I, you definitely have to. Now, it's I, just historically, it's just too early for anyone to try and, and make a, and an impact move. Def- Would I like them to make a move in June? Yes. Well, uh-huh. and they also definitely have like, well, we're definitely not going to make a move until we know what we're getting out of Chris Sale. Yeah, that's so, true. So, and like, they have that mindset of like, getting back Chris Sale is like making a deal. Like, well, that that was their approach last year. Yeah. And you know what? I want to give I want to give um, Bloom some credit. Actually, as a GM over the last two years, as much as I've criticized some of it, a lot of his, most of his moves have really worked out. Now, I get annoyed because it seems like John Henry is giving him a budget as if we're Tampa Bay and not Boston. But as far as what he's actually done for moves, Hansel Robles, as terrifying as he can be sometimes, worked out pretty well last year. Um, Kyle Schwarber, I thought, was a weird fit. You thought that too, but he was fantastic. Um, the only one who really, I'm um, like, whatever, was Austin Davies. Uh, the JBJ one now, eh. But for the most part, I think his moves have worked out pretty well. I mean, being with the Rays, like, he's got an eye for things. Mm-hmm. For playing that money ball game. Which, yeah, we don't want them to play, but, like, he seems to be at least pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And, like, we've liked um, the drafts he's done mm-hmm. since he's been here. So, yeah, yeah I, I liked, I do generally like the team he's building. It's like, yeah, I have the same problem. It's like, John Henry, give this man some money. Yes. You know, we know you have it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the <laughs> Fenway's whole, expensive. Come on. And like, the whole idea for the f- start of the 2000s is you are just constantly chasing the Yankees and you're only a couple bucks behind them. Yeah. Now, now we, we can't go over the luxury tax now. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. It's ridiculous. All right. Last thing, the offense. I, I still don't know why you don't believe in the offense. It's so inconsistent and falls so far off at it, the end of the lineup. It's been consistent for three weeks now that they consistently are putting up runs. All right. A couple people have been consistent. Xander Dugo is still inconsistent. Kike Hernandez has just turned it on. Bobby Dahlbeck only just turned it on. I don't weekend. believe in Bobby. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it with Dahlbeck. And I also but, but I don't story, believe it with Cordero, who had a good weekend. Yeah, I don't believe it with Cordero either. But Kike and Trevor have turned the corner. And if you have Story, Kike all doing what they can do. And we have Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez who have been consistent all year. That's a very good offense. Then add Verdugo whenever he gets going. I don't have a ton of problems in the offense. Do I hate how bad the lineup falls off at the end? Yes. But I think they'll be one of the better offenses, putting up a lot of runs, and you just need to stabilize the pitching. It doesn't need to be great. It doesn't need to be elite. It just needs to be passable. And you can't be giving up six-run leads <laughs> just when you hand it over to the bullpen. Mm. I mean, the bullpen over that, uh, in that game got nine outs and gave up ten runs. That's just awful. You gave up more runs than you got outs out of your bullpen. Awful. Oh, that's, yeah, that's sad. <laughs> that is pathetic. That's... All right. So that is it then on the Red Sox talk from that. What is next on the agenda? Colin. Oh, it is? Cap. Oh, yay. The story yeah. that will never die. This story will not die. This would be the least political take <laughs> that you can have on this. This story has always annoyed me. Um, just because no one, no mainstream media source has ever been honest about this. All right. I can tell what political side of the spectrum you are on based on your reaction to this story every time it pops up. One side would have you believe that he's not a good quarterback at all. He can't play. And that's why he's out of the league. The other side will have you think that he's, you know, a starting quarterback in the NFL. And yet he's getting blackballed. 
they're both ridiculous. Here's the God's honest truth of the situation. In the NFL, nothing is more, no other sport is it more of a detriment to have a distraction and a media circus around you than in the NFL. There's so much preparation, so much practice, so much detail, and it's so absolutely draining. I mean, practice is hard in football, despite even the games too. Even practice is hard. You don't want a media circus and distraction around your team. If you are going to be a media circus and a distraction, you have to be a grade A production player who's a starter and even a high level starter at that, especially at the quarterback position too. Nobody wants a superstar backup quarterback. It's hurting Newton. That's why he's not getting a lot of jobs since. And I know you're like, oh, you can't throw anymore. He's physically, he can still be a backup. He can. You don't want a superstar backup quarterback who sucks the oxygen out of the room and is a media circus. That is why Kaepernick is not in the league. That's why he wasn't in the league after San Francisco. He burst onto the scene. He was really good. They got to the Super Bowl because he was giving a look that the NFL had not seen yet. John Harbaugh was running, uh, Jim was running the read option with him. Clay Matthews is looking stupid because he's a one-trick pony who's, you know, rushing just stationary quarterbacks. So they're getting him coming down every time Cap goes around him. I mean, they ran that read option against the Packers like five times in that playoffs. So Colin, uh, Colin burst onto the scene. He had the size, he had the athleticism, and he had the rocket arm. So he had a lot of the tools that made you think he could be a franchise quarterback. What happened is, once teams adjusted, they went and looked at the film, and then they started coaching their guys on how to play it. He never evolved. He never developed the touch on the football. Everything was always 100 miles an hour. He never developed. So at that point, he played himself to a point where he was benched for Blaine Gabbard. So he's not a starting quarterback anymore. Then came the media circus with what he decided to do Whatever you think about it, you can't be a backup and be a media circus and a distraction. So this is all this has ever been. If you want it being called blackballed from the league, maybe it is being called blackballed. But he's not the only one to deal with this. Tebow dealt with this after Denver because he brings up so much media attention, but he's not a starter. You can't be a media circus and be a backup in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. That's all this story should have ever been about when it comes to this. Again, if you want to call it being blackballed, maybe it's being blackballed. But that's the story. He is a backup quarterback. At least he used to be. He's been out of football now so long, we don't know. He was a backup. Maybe he is still a backup. But if you're going to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, you need to be Chase Daniels. You need to be obscure. You need to be able to walk into a bar and order a drink and nobody knows who you are. That's how you get a career as a backup quarterback, not being a media circus. Does anyone have a problem with that? <laughs> uh, no, because we, we've talked about this before. And I think that was very well versed. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. You, 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 hit, you hit all the points. Okay. Well, uh, there's it, nothing I can really add to that. It's, it's funny, though, because when you have a normal, rational conversation about this, most people don't disagree with me, right? Most of the people arguing for Colin Kaepernick are doing it for political reasons. They don't really even watch football. All of it is. This entire story has always been All political. Is, is he the same football player he was when he was in the Super Bowl in San Francisco? Absolutely not. Well, not now at 34 and been out of the league so long. But even when the story was fresh, even when he just left San Francisco, I'm saying, it was still the same story. The league had adjusted. He was clearly not adjusting back. And at this point, he was a backup quarterback. But you can't be a media circus. You can't bring this much attention 
and be a backup. It takes away from the focus of the coaching staff and the players of just getting ready for games. Des Bryant was out of the league the minute he wasn't a grade A number one wide receiver anymore. Cam Newton's struggling to get a job now. Can't do it. Baker Mayfield now. (laughs) Baker Mayfield now. He's built himself into a brand, commercials, a distraction, and nobody seems to want him. Even though you could even make the argument Baker is still a starting quarterback in the league, he's having problems now too. So unless you're a grade A player with high-level production, no one wants to tolerate the distractions. That's also how I feel Cam Newton's not the fairest comparison. Because... He was a star. He's just not anymore. So he's going to get so much attention simply because what he was. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sure, he's got a big personality. But he seemed to have been at least probably okay with the idea of maybe turning the, passing the torch to Mac Jones last year. But I don't think it's an ego problem with Cam Newton. It's just I, that he, I, can't, I don't think, no, he it, can't throw the ball. Well, I didn't and it's say, not his fault that he But I wasn't making this about Colin as a person. What I think about him is not about well, this. It doesn't matter ego with Newton. I think Newton would accept being a backup too. But the problem is, is that the media won't stop talking about him, and he the media won't accept him as a backup. The minute Mac, not, the minute Mac, fault. the minute the minute Mac had a bad game, it would have been oh, they're going to turn it over to Cam Newton now. But that's not Cam's fault. This is Kaepernick's fault. I, I mean, in a way, because he made himself the media circus. But fault or not, my point is just if you are a media circus, this is this is what happens. Uh, yeah. Even if it's through no fault of your own or you've done it to yourself, it doesn't matter either way. Sure. So that's my point on it. So that being said, does Kaepernick sign with the Raiders? Do the Raiders take Kaepernick? I don't think so, no. At this point, too, as long as he's been out of the league, it is a political statement also for a team to sign him, I think, at this point, too. Especially the Raiders after all the <laughs> media attention they had last season. Yes. Yeah, they really got to... <laughs> Tone it down a little bit. Yeah, they really got to try to stay quiet. Yeah, if, if the Raiders do that, that can't be Josh McDaniels thinking, right? We don't think McDaniels would be signing off on that, do we? I doubt it. Mm, hey, I, I know I bombed in Denver, and I came from a place that was always about no distractions, no whatever. But I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do a complete distraction right now and sign a guy who's not even gonna has zero chance of being a starting quarterback on my team. I don't think he has a say. He might not. I'm just saying. You don't think I, this is this would have to fly in the face of McDaniel's. All right, all right. Yes, I'm sure McDaniel's probably sitting there being like, I, I don't really want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the attention. Yeah. But like, I, I don't think the Raiders will give the I don't guy know. they just hired and have a lot of questions about the say on him. I mean, you say that, but like, if, if you're gonna truly find out about a guy, don't you have to let him kind of have a, a big voice and run the ship a bit? I'm not saying total I, power, but, like, you can't do something like that. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, um, uh, what's the name? Of the, what's that owner there? David or Davis? Oh, uh, Mark uh, Mark Davis? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of think he's doing this as a publicity son. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. To get the attention off of everything else that's happened to the team. Yeah, but also <laughs> also to give the, the team some positive media attention that that's true so to change the narrative a little bit okay. well so, that's so, why yeah, to make people forget about henry ruggs and that guy with the gun yeah um Our, uh, and john gruden yeah um no we're progressive yeah we're progressive that, well that's why i said at this point i think of kaepernick now at 34 being out of the league as long as he is if he signed it's a political and whatever statement by a team you know what i mean so yeah, no i can't say that 
What? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't have to go there. But yes, in general, no one has ever been honest about this story. And that is the cold, hard facts. No, pol- uh, no political agenda aside. It's just that simple. Listen, these guys, right? I tell you, even, even if an owner doesn't like what Colin did, right? These guys do not have the moral fiber and compass to care enough. If Colin could throw 27 touchdowns to 12 picks and run another six, he would, he would have a job. Because no owner is going to care. When it comes down to his money and winning. And if you can make me money and winning, I will throw whatever my moral book is out the door to make that money and to have that positive attention. You don't think a team could make money off Kaepernick? They could make money, but they won't win. Sounds like a win for the owner. <laughs> Maybe. Except, I mean, do I think there's a little bit of like the owner's not liking Colin and everything he did? Yes, I do think that's a thing. But like I said, my point is just trust me. If he could throw 27 touchdowns to 12 picks, run for another six, and play at that level, 100%, he would have had a job. Well, Cause, yeah, because well, that's, 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 that's some damn good quarterback play right there. Maybe not even 27. Let's, let's, let, let's say he could go 20 and 10. Especially if he can run in for more, six more. Like that's, that's, that's. Let's go 20, 10, and five rushing touchdowns. And I mean, what is that? That's about a B-minus yeah. level quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. He would have a job if he could do that, but he can't. Uh, yeah, I think that's a... He was down to about 19 and 10 by the time he left San Francisco with a completion percentage of about 57%. That's not... That's a backup. That's a backup quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Especially in a league now that he's become even more of a precision-based league, whereas even less so when Kaepernick was there, it's become even more of a precision-based league. I mean, all these guys now, the completion percentage is, is a hovering about 60%. Even guys that we don't think are good. Because it's a lot more short passing. It's a lot more Colin and his 100 miles an hour every time on throws. On it, a line. It, it is just, it's not, it's not today's NFL anymore, you know? We don't throw bombs, we throw rockets. Yeah, but you can't throw a rocket on a, on a seven-yard curl route. You, you can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to have some touch. So, yeah. No, he's a backup. And, and that's really all this story should have ever been about. But, you know, politics, we have to always confuse everything on, on so this does topic. So does, does Kaepernick land himself a job this year? I don't think he does. Okay. I, if it, I don't think he does either. No, I, I don't think so. I think the Raiders are doing this for some positive attention, which they will get just by giving him the workout. They don't actually have to sign him. Yeah, and at, at 34, if this if it's not the Raiders, like I think that'll be his last yeah, even chance to get attention like this mm-hmm. or an opportunity to work out for teams. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with that, guys, we're going to take one last quick break before we get into some Aaron Donald contract, fair and foul, and finish with our segments that we always do. Stick with us, guys.
And we are back to talk about a different type of, I guess, controversy that can happen in the NFL. Contract disputes. Yes. And, I mean, actually, there seems to be a, a lot this year. There From is Wide a receivers lot. to quarterbacks to... You don't really see it on the defensive line. Well, that's I, because guys aren't valuable enough usually on the defensive line to be able to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Unless you're a defensive end who's a pass rusher. Or a physical force that is Aaron Donald. Well, there's no one like Aaron Donald out there. Uh, maybe a, young, a younger Khalil Mack. I think it would be a decent comparison. Mm, yeah. uh, but, I mean, he's come out and said that he is at peace and is floating the idea of retirement mm. if he doesn't get a new contract. Mm. I mean, he's won his ring. He's a guy that plays in the trenches, so I don't blame him for not really wanting to drag this out for another five years. Mm. Um, I mean, he clearly will do it for a little longer for the money. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I I believe him. Mm. And do I think a lot of players do this for leverage? Like, oh, I'm going to leave. Mm. I'm not going to play. I'm just going to retire. Give me my money. Um, but Aaron Donald is certainly someone who has earned that money. And, yeah, he's he's a guy that... I mean, every player knows about CTE now, mm-hmm. and they always know that's a lingering thing. So he's he, he's like, all right, I'll play for the bag, but I don't want to destroy my body. I want to be able to know my kids when they grow up. I want to be able to remember my playing career. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame Aaron Donald, but I also wonder what this means for that defense in the Rams if he does leave. Oh, I know. It's a, it's a massive, massive blow. That's a big hole to fill. Oh yeah, that's a that's an impossible hole to fill. Yeah, and that's one you just kind of patch up with a, with sometimes even multiple guys. But you, there is no replacing an Aaron Donald. There is a reason that he has been voted multiple years in a row as the best NFL player. Yeah, I mean, so, he, he is an unstoppable force. Yeah, so he's like I said, he's definitely earned that bag, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's also earned the right to say like I don't need to prove anything to anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I I maybe he wants to win maybe another ring or two, but. Yeah, he's got nothing to prove. So right now, Aaron Donald has three years remaining on a six-year, $135 million deal that he signed in 2018. Um, as, you know, the revenue of the league has gone up and, you know, the the the, the, uh, the cap has gone up, he's absolutely outperformed that deal. Um, he's getting paid under market value now. So I understand from Donald's perspective. I also say Aaron Donald is just a great locker room guy. To be as talented as he is, he's never really makes it about him. He's never a distraction. He's not a huge social media presence or anything like that. Huge brand all on his own, anything like that. And I'm on his side, and this is the way to do it, honestly. He hasn't gone off ripping the organization. He hasn't, you know, been like... He's just done it very classy. He's done it in the sense of, like, now I've won. I got what I wanted in the Super Bowl. I'm being paid under my market value. But if I don't get it, I'm also okay with just retiring and not saying I need to go to another team to show you. He hasn't ripped the front office. He hasn't ripped the organization. This is the best way to do a contract negotiation. I think Aaron Donald has hit it out of the park as far as the way to handle yourself in a business sense as an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he could be a fiery guy on the field, but yeah, off the field, he's always seemed to have been a calm, cool, collected um yeah, good locker room guy. Mm. Uh, I'm sure he's a good leader in there and probably is fiery in the locker room itself. But he's always been, every time he speaks, like he's not yelling so you can't help but listen type of <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, and yeah, you know, you're right. I, I think this is a great, more classier way to do it. Like I'm, He's not looking like, oh, I'm going to leave, go play for another team. Because <laughs> yeah, he's, he's 31 years old. <laughs> so 
his he's only got a couple years left of playing at this high um, mm-hmm. high intensity high level, especially with the position he's in, because mm-hmm. he's gonna get he's gonna get beat up this year. He's had his injury problems, so mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine he wants to do that for much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, get get the bag. I guess get the bag. Go. Get the bag. And, and like I said, it's the way to do it. I never once, whether it was before the Super Bowl, since the Super Bowl, off season, and any time he's caught, taught, been asked or talked about it, I've never once heard any ripping of the organization. So you said he's thirty-one years old. What kind of contract is he looking for here now? Is he looking for a two-year deal, three? Um, he's no. probably what he's probably doing is since he has three years left on his deal, he probably will just do that three years. But he wants to renegotiate the money and stuff like that. Because I mean, Watt's getting paid twenty-eight million a year now. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league, maybe the best player in general in the NFL. His peers certainly think that he's been voted at what three, four years consecutively. So he probably wants TJ Watt money for the next three years. I highly doubt he's going in there saying, I want a new six-year deal. I doubt that. No, especially if he's saying he's at peace of retiring now. Yeah, so he, he probably doesn't he even want to play six longer. years. For, yeah. these, for these next three years, I want to be paid. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. For the last three years, I want to get paid what the market value is now. And the market value with the Watt deal is about $28 million. Hey, yeah. if you don't pay me, I'm retired. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not for paying a lot of these guys, this is what I get mad about the Cowboys of. They, they pay guys way too quickly, way too early for positions you don't need. But Aaron Donald, even at a position that's not usually a high-paid position, a defensive tackle, is such an unstoppable force and game-changer that I would pay him. Now, does, even if the Rams come back and say they're going to pay him, does he still consider retiring? Nah, I don't think so. No. Especially with a team that can win the Super Bowl again and a division that's gotten weaker now, too. A whole conference that's gotten weaker. I mean, the NFC right now feels like it's just Bucks Rams. The Packers don't have the firepower anymore. You know? There's nobody else. Dallas lost a bunch. Dallas lost Amari, Randy Gregory, uh, Cedric Wilson. They lost another guy on the defense. I just can't think who. I mean, I was never high on them anyway. Well, I know, but at least from a talent perspective. I'm just saying there's no one in the NFC anymore that really scares you. Unless Trey Lance just lights the world on fire, <laughs> which doesn't appear to be the case, or else they would have just handed the job to him already. There's no one in the NFC that I think really rivals the Rams other than the Buccaneers. So No, not anymore. Exactly. So there's no reason for Aaron Donald to retire if he does get the money that he wants. I think he sticks it out another three years if, if they pay him. And I do think the Rams will get this done. Mm. Because it's it completely changes their defense if they don't. I mean, if they don't, do you think he'll still play this year and then be like, all right, bye? He might. He might do that, too. He might play one more year. Especially at this point, I feel like we would have a better sense of I'm ready to not play next year if I don't get my money. You know what I mean? I just feel like it would be out there a little bit more other than this sort of general I could retire you know, I've done what I've wanted. I think it would be a bit more urgent. So I, I do think no matter what he plays this year, it's just if he doesn't get his new contract, I don't expect him to play the following season. So, yeah. All right, guys, any last thoughts on that before we turn it back over? Uh, All right. I think so. So as we're getting ready to wrap things up, it's time to play another round of Fair and Foul. Dan, I talked with you on this one on uh, Sunday because I was mad because Stephen A. was going off about something I think is stupid. But here's the first one. Fair or foul? Do you think it's fair or foul? 
Durant rakes better than Steph Curry all time. Everyone's going to know my opinion on this, so Dan, you start. Yeah, you asked me that question when we were working. I might have been a little bit busy, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought about it. And you, you're right. Steph is, Steph is the better player overall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steph changed the game. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a legacy guy. I'll tell you, people might forget about Kevin Durant one day. No mm-hmm. one's ever going to forget about Steph Curry and what he's done for the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Steph is definitely up there on that list. Uh, is Durant the better scorer? I think I think so. No one's a better shooter than Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think Steph's more of a team guy. Yeah. And I, you know, so you put me in a locker room, which you know, put me in two different environments. I'd rather be on Steph's team. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Jesse. Uh, no, I, I pretty much agree with all that. This is <laughs> Steph Curry is one of the greatest shooters of all time. Durant is a great scorer himself. But like you can't, I I think uh, you when considering who is a great player and one of the best players, I think you need to take in how good of a teammate they were. Mm-hmm. That matters. Mm-hmm. If they're a terrible teammate, I, it kind of doesn't matter how. Like Kyrie is a very skilled basketball player, but he, and I think losing, if you look at the talent wise, losing him made the Celtics worse on paper, but a better team. Mm-hmm. So like, being a good teammate and a good. Um, share of ball being a good locker room guy that 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 matters elevating others yeah that 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 makes you a better player Mm -hmm. and i think like that that should be considered like yeah maybe duran is more uh physically talented or he's more effective in the paint whatever it may be yeah i mean and part of that's not even curry's fault he's not nearly a big of a guy so that's that's really the debate is they're two different types of players but yeah who's better on that list of one to a hundred yeah come on it's It's gotta be curry yeah and i mean you're right. He's he's one of the best, maybe even the best shooter of all time. Exactly. I, my thing is, and I said this when I made the opening rant about stuff a couple of weeks ago. In the NBA, for some reason, the pundits, the people, the ex-players even, don't get this concept. In the NFL, everybody gets it. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. He is. He's a special talent. But if you ever were to try to say that Aaron Rodgers ranks better all time than Brady, you would get laughed out of the room because Brady has the accolades. Brady was a better teammate. Brady won more, all this other stuff. In the NBA, for some reason, they only care about the talent part. To me, it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Aaron's more talented. Aaron has the more special arm. Aaron's more athletic. Aaron was a better quarterback prospect, but at the end of the day, because of who Brady is, his success, who he is as a team player and all that, he ranks better all time. It's the same with Kevin Durant and Steph. Steph has won titles without Durant. He might win another title post-Durant leaving. Kevin's never really done anything without Steph Curry. Kevin Durant wears out his welcome, seems like everywhere he goes, or at least can't be happy everywhere he goes. He is not a facilitator of the offense. He doesn't elevate others. He's just a super talented scorer. He's more talented than Steph, but Steph ranks better all time. And for whatever reason, NBA people can't get this through their head. But in the NFL, everybody gets it. I kind of disagree with the fact that they only look at talent. In the NBA? Yeah. When you look at Michael Jordan, he's considered the best basketball player of all time. Is he really the most talented player you've ever seen? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. But I, th- I, I still, really don't. But I still think they look at talent. And Jordan, whether he is the most talented or not, 
his talent is still off the charts. Oh, he was still a very talented player, but I like don't so think much, he was the like, most talented Like so I've much, seen. but yeah, but it's it's so it's so much that like if you're gonna compare him to somebody like maybe someone's more talented, but it's not by much. Stephen Durant, it's like Durant's seven foot, moves like a guard, handles the ball, one of the most talented scorers of all time. Steph well, is small and kind of limited in what he can do. I so lot, I get it in this dynamic. I think a lot of what made Michael Jordan the best of all time is he was a winner, like Curry is a winner. Mm-hmm. And he is just such an intense uh, pressure situation guy. Mm-hmm. And like that's not talent. Mm. So I, I, and I, a lot of people bring up his six rings. Yeah. That he's, he's the, that's why he was the best. Yeah. Which I know like Bill Russell has a lot more rings, but like. No I'm not saying it's Bill the Russell case in talented. every single thing, but I just said in general, the NBA has this problem. Where they they're they're just paralyzed by just the talent, and they don't really account for the other things as much, especially in direct comparison. Whereas, like in the NFL, nobody cares who who has the titles, who has the wins, who has the accolades, who's had the better career. Well, I mean, in baseball and hockey, like it's about like we don't consider really championships at all when talking about who's the best players. You don't in hockey? No. Oh, okay. No, like some most of the I feel like most of the best players of all time have not won a championship. Well, baseball and baseball especially is a very stat-driven sport. So it, it it's more about that. Yeah. Whereas NBA, it, stats yes, but when there's only 5 guys on the floor, if you, if you're one of the best players, you should be good enough to get your team to the finals and win a championship. Well, so is hockey's a lot like baseball. It is very stat-driven when you look at talent and it's so team oriented because your guy your best player is only on the ice for like 45 seconds at a time mm-hmm. and then he's got to go sit for a minute and a half all right so they'll only put up like a, a third of a game time yeah so it is very team based yeah well like yeah basketball like what was it jimmy butler yeah. 48 minutes <laughs> only he, in the last two games game six and game seven he sat for two total minutes yeah so basketball you can do that yeah you can play the that's whole why game. titles matter more in like basketball and they matter in the NFL if you're a quarterback because you control so much. So anyway, next one. The Mets are about to collapse. I'm going to say fair. They can't keep going at this pace. This offense has been ridiculous. Don't they have like the best run differential in baseball right now? They're like top uh, three in runs scored. Let me look. Despite what we know historically about the Mets already, that they always seem to start the season well and then collapse at the end. Just them going at this pace, these guys on in their lineup do not have this kind of track record. I, mm. I just can't see them continuing to produce at this pace. And we talk about how everything averages that out in baseball. If you are performing way more than what is your career average, what it just means is you will be way worse come the next couple of months in order for everything to average out. I think that's going to happen with a lot of this Mets offense. They already lost Scherzer for a little bit. So yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see it. Peter Alonso's hitting two eighty six, McNeil three oh eight, Mark Canna is hitting two ninety. Who the heck is Plummer batting four hundred? Like yeah, he always he's clearly not getting a lot of No, fans. I know he's not, but it's still funny. Um, you know, Luis Guillermo is batting at the top of the lineup, eighty at bats hitting three sixty three. Like, nah. It th- this can't continue. And like I said, if you're going to produce way above what is your, you know, career average, all it means is you're going to be even worse for everything to average it out down the stretch. Mm. So, Jesse, what do you I, think? I say it is foul. They're not going to collapse. Okay. Because 
I mean, they're they're actually third in run differential. The Dodgers are, I mean, head and shoulders above everybody, and then the Yankees are a little bit ahead of them. Um, but if you look at their division, mm. like they have an easy team to play in Washington. Like those are easy wins. Miami is uh, not that good. They can only they can only pitch. They can't hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly seems to not win, want to win a damn game. They seem to give every single game away. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta's not even that great this year. Do I think they'll be better? Yeah. But, I mean, they'll come back down to earth, but I don't see them collapsing. They're, and their division is very winnable, it looks like, with the teams they have to face. The division is very winnable, and that's why the Mets may still win it. But I do think there's a hard collapse coming that's going to make this way closer than you think it should be. Uh, I, and I kind of don't. All right, that's fine. And like Dan, Scherzer I, will come back. I, he will. Well, they're playing Washington tonight, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Th- then they get the Dodgers. Currently, currently, the Mets are second in batting average, mm-hmm. second in on-base percentage, second in runs, and then 19th in home runs. Where, comparatively, Washington's fourth in the league in, in batting average, Eighth in the league and they're on fourth in batting average. I know that's shocking. Yeah, I'm looking at Yahoo, so stat check me. No, no, you no, know? no, you're you're probably uh, right. Um, you know, the Mets are second in runs, and where uh, Washington <laughs> sits at 14th. But then where the def- the difference right here now is is the power Washington has. Washington doesn't have it. Um, the Mets are sitting at 19th in the league for home runs, and Washington's down to 29th. Mm. Um, so really. Like some small ball there. It's a small ball in Washington, yeah. So we'll see what this series does for them and really see, you know. Yeah. I think it will. this will be more of the same for the Mets this coming game. But, yeah, I think the Dodgers were like, all right, can you compete with the best team in the league? Mm. Um, and but, that'll really show what they are made of. And, again, I don't think they'll have a collapse collapse. They'll come back down to earth. There's it's a no, very long season. Yeah, like the you're right. Like Pete Alonso's not going to hit what was it 280. Yeah, he's going to drop back down to be a 250 guy. Yeah, uh, at probably best. Um, Why is Guillermo hitting 363? Luis Guillermo is 27 and has been largely a role or backup player most of his career. But I still think this will be a decent team, and they're in a they're in a division that is very winnable. So I think that is a lot of free wins against Washington, Miami, and. Yeah, Philly doesn't like to win anything. Yeah, I I, Philly just can't get their act together <laughs> for some reason. But all right, that's fine. You know, whatever. All right, last one, fair or foul. Kyler Murray will not play this season without a new contract. Dan, I'm going to let you start. I say that foul. That's foul. No. Granted, he's proven himself to be a player. He, he you know, he can win, um, but he's still so young. Mm-hmm. He's still so young. He has a lot of time to prove himself to be one of the top players and, and really, you know, Give, give himself a controversy like that. Mm-hmm. He's not going to sit because he's not getting paid. Mm-hmm. He's In order for him to get paid, he needs to go out there and prove that I'm one of the top NFL players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yeah. Foul. foul. Jesse, I, I think we're all going to be in agreement on this one, too. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go foul. I'm a little less confident than I was. Two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, but like I still think he'll be like, well, they really did call my bluff. Fine, I'll show up and play. Because mm-hmm. um, he is... I mean, he's got he's to know like that he's not... Yeah, he can win and he's very talented, but he can't win in the playoffs. So what he's not... He can't think he's going to get... That, All that money right now. Yeah. yeah. And maybe a part of it's his... Uh, agent whispering in his ear, like, you got, you got the bag. Don't just hold out, hold out, hold out. 
because um, his agent has come out and said a couple different things on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he will play, even mm-hmm. if he doesn't get the contract. All right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think to not play would be a stain uh, on yourself and you know a reputation thing that you just can't do this early when you haven't had a long track record of the success. Under no circumstances do I expect Murray doesn't play next season. So, all right, guys, we are getting ready to finish things up. Jesse, I think you have the lead on both these segments anyway. Uh, sure. You do, because you, you're the one who picked this Darwin Award, too. So anyway. Oh, we do, you want to do the Darwin first? No, 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 do the Tommy. Okay. No, 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 do the Tommy update. All right, yeah, it's time for your weekly Tom Brady update. <laughs> so he made, a, he made a golf video. Yes. About him. The drone? Yeah, yeah the yeah. drone one. <laughs> well, um, I don't even really care about that golf video, but, like, I saw, like, he... He put his outfit up, like, hey, you can buy my outfit. You, you can buy that, that shirt that you can be like Tom Brady at the golf course. But it's, it's a plain blue collared polo for $75. <laughs> like, no, Tom. And then the pants, which are just some black pants, are $95. Like, Tom, I can go to Walmart and buy that outfit for, like, $30. And you want me to buy, spend over... 150 bucks for that outfit just because it has Brady on the tag? No, Tom. I'm not spending that money for your clothes. Like, that's ridiculous. You know what I'd rather do with that money? What? I'd rather buy a jersey. <laughs> with your name on it. Yeah. With Tom's name on it. Not, not have your name on a tag on just a blue polo. So, that's been what Tom Brady's up to. I, they're getting ready for the match next week, aren't they? It's this week on Wednesday. Oh, it's this tomorrow. week now. Yeah. Tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, it is Tuesday. All right. So with that, we are ready to finish things up, guys. Darwin Award. Jesse, okay, are you ready? Uh, yes, I'm ready. All right. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Tommy Pham. Yes, Tommy Pham, the baseball player. So there was a controversy this week. Uh, the Giants were in Cincinnati. And, you know... In 2020, not even 2021, Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson were in a big fantasy league together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of Padres players. Um, and So, apparently, during the league, Jock Peterson did like a little maneuver where he, had, where he was playing with uh, the DL and the bench. Like He was keeping healthy people. He wouldn't take them off the DL, the DL just so he could keep them and like have some other good players he could actually play that week. Because, you know, a guy comes right off the DL, like, he might have limited snaps and stuff like that. So he kept him on the DL and then uh, kept the, uh, another player to play the actual game. And Tommy Pham took that as him messing with Pham's money. <laughs> so he went over two years later and smacked Jock Peterson in the head. <laughs> and he got a three-game suspension for it because he apparently messed with his money. Like, you're a baseball player. You make a lot of money. How much money was in this league that you felt the need to physically assault a guy that you had fantasy football with? Two, year, uh, two years ago, too. Yeah. How good of friends are they? That one, they're in a fantasy football league together. Two, they haven't seen each other in two years. Yeah. I mean, well, apparently, like, they weren't that close. They, friend, friend of a friend? Yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, I mean, Tommy Pham is actually one of those players that I would never want on my team because he's not a good locker room guy. He's no. even said in the past, like, I, I kind of play for the money. I play for the personal stats. Like, I'm not a team guy. It's like, all right. He's That's, just come out and said that himself. Yeah. That wasn't the exact quote, but it was along those lines. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, he's been suspended three games. And, like, 
He even, like, he said he, he messed with his money. Fam apparently did the same thing, but he was mad at Jock Peterson for it. And then Fam left the league. Didn't said, I'm not playing anymore. Like, so he pulled a Cartman? Yeah. Like, all right, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to do this move. I'm, it, which is a legal move. If you can do it, like anything's game. If you can do it, it's fair game. Yes. Like, I've done that. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, don't say he's messing with your money if you clearly don't care that much if you're just going to leave. So you took a three game suspension. Also, he will be fined a decent chunk of money. I would wager he will be fined more money than money he had to put in to play in that fantasy league. Yeah. I would guarantee it. I would hope so. Uh, like, MLB fines aren't cheap. I mean, he did say this, though. They're like a hundred grand sometimes. <laughs> They're I, not cheap. I, I don't know what it is for the <laughs> final. Well, here's the thing. He's not getting paid for those three games either. I know. So he's losing that money. But he, I, I, he, he basically just gave up way more money than I'm sure he put in that fantasy league. Pulled that Calvin Ridley. And a fantasy league that was two years ago. Yeah, pulled a Calvin Ridley. He did pull a Calvin Ridley. Here's a funny quote, though. Because uh, they're messing with my money, too much money on the line. He goes, I'm a big dog in Vegas. I'm a high roller at many casinos. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, is that supposed to make you on? Am I on your side now because yeah. of that? Because you're a gambler? Yeah, why? No. If anything, just stop. Just you're an idiot. Why do you care about a little fantasy league? To go over two years later and slap somebody over that is insane to me. And then the money thing is just like the fine's going to be way more than than he put in that fantasy league. I guarantee it. So again, I would hope so. You lost yourselves a lot of rolls of roulette and a lot of other fantasy leagues with the multiple thousand you're going to get fined by the league. He messed with his money. He messed with his own money. (laughs) So. Tommy Pham, this week's Darwin Award winner. Thank you to Dan Canna for coming in the studio. I appreciate it. It's been Thank great. You guys. Go Celtics, you know, even though I don't believe in them. But <laughs> I listen, I'm winning either way. Either I'm winning a ton of money because Golden State wins the title or Boston wins the title and I can celebrate. So I'm it's a win win for me. That's what my uncle always told me. Really? Bet against your team in the championship because you'll always end up happy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good words of advice. All right. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. 